0: Welcome to the Army Talent Management Podcast, where we explore how the Army is optimizing its human capital management practices to develop a ready, professional, diverse, and integrated team of trusted professionals that are prepared to fight and win in a complex world. Talent wins, and winning matters. Previously on
1: the Army Talent Management Podcast.
2: The biggest thing that I learned from that uh, was the self-reflection, really understanding yourself really
1: understanding, you know, your career as it's been, you know, since your commission date, and then those things that you've changed or adjusted. I had the greatest feedback opportunity I've ever had in my Army career. I participated in the, uh, the Army, the post-DCAP coaching uh, that was provided. Uh, and, you know, I had six one-on-one sessions that were an hour long. Hello, I'm Major Dave Cicchetti. Welcome back to the Army Talent Management Podcast, a podcast that is produced by members of the Army Talent Management Task Force. This is the second episode in a series that will focus on the Command Assessment Program, or CAP. Part of the mandate of the Talent Management Task Force is to change the personnel system from data-poor to data-rich and institute a culture of assessments. CAP provides the Army data on key leaders previously unseen in past generations. But in addition to benefits to the Army as a whole, it is also a developmental opportunity for individuals. CAP candidates are given a final outbrief by an operational psychologist that is designed to identify an individual's strengths and developmental needs. Lastly, each candidate is afforded the opportunity for executive coaching after CAP. With me to discuss all this today is Colonel Bob O'Brien, the Director of the Command Assessment Program. Sir, welcome back. Thanks, Dave. Additionally, I'd like to welcome Lieutenant Colonel Christine Baker, who runs the Army Coaching Program. Uh, And finally, I would like to welcome Lieutenant Colonel Joe Byerly, the founder of the From the Green Notebook blog, who wrote a great piece about reflection of BCAP titled The Hidden Benefit of BCAP. Team, welcome. Thank you.
0: Good morning. Yeah,
1: Thanks
2: for having me, Dave. Uh,
1: So Lieutenant Colonel Byerly, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, The title of your article is The Hidden Benefit of BCAP. So what is The Hidden Benefit of BCAP?
2: Well, you kind of you kind of alluded to it uh, in the introduction Dave the hidden benefit of bcap is really reflection um, if you think about it for a lot of folks if you go and look back over your military career we tend to go from assignment to assignment to assignment and we never really have time to think like I remember watching guys and gals when I was uh, a company commander who were getting a second command and while they were doing while somebody else was doing the inventories to come in to take over their company, they were doing the inventories to take over their next company and they might've had a week, a couple of days off in between. So they, so they never really got to look back um, on, on that experience. So, so you have this fast paced career on one hand, and then you have all these others distractions on the other. You know, like today we have smartphones, social media, a- entire seasons of our favorite TV shows that we can watch from start to finish, like the entire season in one sitting. And we have all that vying for our attention. And that's on top of our responsibilities as husbands, wives, fathers, you know, mothers, a- and leaders. And so as military professionals, you know, prioritizing time alone in our green notebooks to reflect on our experiences, it, it not only helps us hold a mirror up to our day to, to think through some of the tough problems we have but it helps make meaning of our crucible experiences that we go through. And it also helps us avoid one of the major pitfalls of leadership, and and that's letting our strengths turn into weaknesses. And so that that week at BCAP that that you get alone in a room with a lot of white space on the calendar is really the first time, unfortunately, for a lot of folks to kind of sit down with themselves and, and look at it. And you know, in the military, you know, a lot of people will argue, well, you know, this is combat deployment or, you know, this rotation at a training center or, you know, this leadership event I attended. Like that was enough for growth. And, and I say that it's not. I, those events are prerequisites for growth. Um, the real growth happens in the in the quiet moments afterwards. You know, a lot of us in the military, you know, we we read um, Stephen Pressfield's books and, and Stephen Pressfield writes on a number of topics. And um, a a couple months ago on his blog, he was looking at, um, you know, the most powerful moments in action movies. And and what he found was that they were actually private moments um, that that were the most powerful. And so he wrote about this. He said, deep change in our real lives as well as fictions happens not in the clamorous action-filled moments, but in quiet, pensive beats when the human heart, at the finish of a protracted, often unconscious process of evolution, concludes and cements its transformation and I know that's that's super philosophical but but it's the truth it's the adult learning model it's it's how learning happens it's how we make uh, sense of, of experiences and you know life is full of, of moments of tension tough experiences especially in the military that, that test and push us and so we, we've got to be intentional about seeking moments of reflection so it, if folks aren't doing that you know, unfortunately, if folks aren't doing that out in the wild, so to speak, um, you know, in the in the course of their assignments, um, that's what Bcap offers you is that quiet moment. And then one more one more point on this is that reflection, especially that week during Bcap, it allows us to examine our strengths and weaknesses. And you know, I, I love what the Army is doing right now with the talent management process. A couple years ago. Um, I I read a book by Morgan McCall Jr. called High Flyers, Developing the Next Generation of Leaders. And what he did was he studied multiple organizations to figure out why leaders, uh, how leaders like climb to the top of the organization just to come crumbling down the org chart, you know, why they derail. And we've seen a lot of that over the years with with toxic command climates or, or leaders making poor decisions that make the cover of the Army times. And what he found was that a lack of reflection and lack of self-awareness play a major role in leader derailment. And so, again, that week at BCAP is a critical opportunity for folks to really sit down with themselves and think through how they've led throughout their career.
1: Hey, Joe, that was a a great answer, and I think you just added a few more books to to my reading list. Really appreciate that feedback right there. Uh, just Sir, over to uh, Colonel O'Brien, sir. Uh, there's basically two customers for the data that BCAP assesses here, the Army and the individual. Uh, in the last episode, we discussed how there were screening, informing, and scoring assessments. Ultimately, though, what does the CAP team do with this data and who in the Army looks at it?
3: Well, Dave, the uh – The Army Talent Management Task Force and uh, uh, the CAP team in in particular, right now we're using the assessments to inform the Army Comprehensive Talent Interview, or the the ACTI, uh, that panel, uh, which is casting the vote on whether an individual is ready or not yet ready for command. Um, And we use that terminology, not yet ready uh, for command, very deliberately because there is a redemptive nature, and we talked about that a little bit last time, uh, of uh, what happens at, uh, at BCAP and CCAP and uh, the additional CAPs uh, that we're adding to the CAP program. Uh, so we spend uh, quite a bit of time uh, making sure that our operational psychologists who are incorporated into this uh, system can contextualize all of the data that we collect for that ACTI, ACTI panel uh, into a comprehensive picture of the individual. And that's a key component of where we're really going with CAP is we are focused on the individual uh, in uh, assessing that individual and building uh, data about that individual so that he or she can uh, can really use that to understand the experience a little bit better, do some self-reflection that Joe was talking about, and uh, and use... Uh, use CAP as a developmental opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's comforting to know. It's it's just going to the uh, comprehensive talent interview uh, to panel. It uh, doesn't really go beyond that. But is is there any way possible that uh, a commander at a unit could reach over to the CAP program and and get the data points an individual like say I want to see this individual's writing essay. I want to see their cognitive non cognitive assessment. Is there is there a possibility for that?
3: So I'll go back to the idea of uh, uh, taking bias out of the system or reducing the opportunity for bias to enter into the system. Um, We're we're not releasing specific data from any cap that's been executed to date uh, beyond what the individual receives from their psychological outbrief uh, or what those uh, who are selected for command are receiving as part of uh, the pre-command course counseling pilot program. For CAP 23, we're working on a system to provide a written report to candidates uh, upon release of the uh, centralized selection list to assist them in their personal development and allow people to have a little bit more data to uh, to get after that uh, self-awareness and self-development. Uh,
1: if you're not, re- not yet ready for command, the board deems you not yet ready for command, who informs you
3: uh, of this and... Uh, How does that process work? So we've put uh, significant effort into the system because it's very sensitive information about a very significant event in a leader's life and career. In many cases, uh, some of these uh, leaders who are uh, found not yet ready for command, uh, it, it may be the first time that they've ever heard anything negative about their performance or potential. So we've crafted the system so that the first general officer in a leader's chain of command is the notifying officer. And when that general officer uh, uh, gets notified that uh, he or she has an individual that's not yet ready for command, we provide a recommendation on a way to deliver the news. Uh, We provide an overview of the CAP system, uh, which includes a description of the psychological outbrief that the candidate received. Um, so, it's just a description, there's no data associated with it, so uh, the, the general officer doesn't know what the psychologist told the individual. Um, the individual has an opportunity to take notes, and there's a structured format there, and the, the interviews are structured so that they're uh, as closely matched as, as you could make them um, for each particular individual. Um, and we also provide a recommendation for a way to proceed with developmental counseling Uh, after the notification occurs. Uh, We do not provide the notifying general officer any any of the specific information of why the candidate was found not yet ready for a command, Um, but we provide uh, information about how the candidate can participate in in executive coaching opportunities uh, that we offer to all of the CAP candidates.
0: Can I make one point of clarification for the good of everyone? So just to make sure that everyone understands, particularly out there, the executive coaching is offered to every leader, no matter where they come in. Okay, As long as they've put their name in the hat for the CAP process, the CSA and our team in particular is, is very adamant about investing in our leaders. It does not matter which leader it is on that list. So all leaders. So I just want to make that one point of clarification.
1: No, that's a that's an excellent point, ma'am. Thank you for that. Um, Sir, just putting on my cynical hat for a moment, the Army has been selecting leaders for a couple hundred years now and has done a decent job for the most part. Uh, How did the Army determine that these data points were the best attributes of a leader? Like what studies were done and, and
3: by whom? The basis of CAP is the Army's leadership doctrine, uh, and it's that leadership doctrine is written in Army Doctrine Publication, or ADP 6-22. The Army Research Institute has also uh, conducted long-standing research since 1993 in studying uh, the individual attributes that are predictive uh, of advancement and promotion in the Army.
1: So let's talk about the, the evolution of the feedback process. Uh, we've had two iterations of CAP now, and a change that was made from the first go around uh, to the second was that uh, we need to offer more feedback to candidates. Can you discuss the why behind this change, and, and what are the candidates uh, what are candidates given for feedback now?
3: So our original uh, view of the Command Assessment Program what was that it was an assessment and selection program, um, and the original planning for that stopped. At assessment and selection but as we started getting into it and and uh, figuring out how rich the data would be coming out of the command assessment program we realized that there's really a lot of uh, potential for develop developmental opportunities in it as well um, so we started uh, with uh, the developmental opportunities as an, an out brief with operational psychologists um, And in the the BCAP pilot that we issued or that we conducted in the summer of 2019, uh, that started as a free form conversation between the interviewing psychologist and the pilot candidate. And as we looked at scaling it, we realized that we needed to do something to meet our world class fair and consistent tenets. There was also high potential for bias to enter into that uh, that panel interview in the first pilot. So we put the degrees of separation that I discussed uh, earlier between the interviewing psychologists and the candidates. And what candidates get now is a structured outbrief with a psychologist that they have not met yet. Uh, and that's focused on the data collected at CAP. And that outbrief is typically 20 to 30 minutes long. And most candidates, um, will describe it as worth the price of admission or uh, the single most developmental thing that they've ever experienced in the Army. And those are quotes from the after-action reviews that we conduct every evening uh, at, uh, at CAP. Um, and that is a consistent, those two comments are consistent trends that I've heard in every single after-action review that we've done. Um, There is a structured note-taking format that I discussed uh, offered to the candidates, uh, but to date, we have not provided a written product uh, to hand to the candidates. And some of the candidates uh, claim that uh, they've never received any feedback from CAP. Um, In some cases, it's because uh, they're having discussions from uh, from CAP that occurred in January of 2021, the, the very first iteration of BCAP. Um, And in some cases, uh, well, in that that case, you know, it's been a long time, so they may not remember what the feedback is. Um, And in some cases, uh, we have candidates that that may not take a whole lot of notes, um, and so they're having a hard time remembering what occurred in that. So I encourage people to take uh, advantage of the structured uh, note-taking format that we've got there. Um, so that, uh, you can remember when it comes time to, uh, uh to have these developmental opportunities, what happened in, uh, in the operational psychologist out brief.
1: Uh, that's a, a good segue into the, into the next question I have for you, sir, is, you know, one frequent comment we get at the task force is, I was told I was not yet ready for command, but they could never tell me why.
3: Is there any truth to that statement? So there's a little bit of yes and a little bit of no in that, um, No candidate, uh, nor the chain of command that's notifying the candidates uh, that they may be not yet ready for command, receives specific information uh, with the requirement to notify. We don't release this information so that the chain of command does not immediately become biased against the individual uh, and that the chain of command has no evidence to back up any specific reason for being found Not, not yet ready for command. The key to understanding the reason for being not yet ready for command uh, begins again with the psychological uh, outbrief that and the candidate's ability to be self-aware so we're seeing here a really common theme of self-awareness being really important to understanding what happens at cap the the psychologist in that psychological outbrief uh, will highlight strengths and developmental needs And those developmental needs could be the holes in the swing uh, that the uh, chief of staff of the Army has talked about that uh, a leader may want to develop or fix. Sometimes it takes some really deep soul searching uh, to truly recognize uh, a developmental need uh, and then actually be willing to do something to address it.
1: Last question on this topic is how, how much does this feedback influence the slating process?
3: So right now, the specific data from, uh, from any of the CAP assessments is not being used in slating at all. Uh, what happens is uh, the scored events, we take the scores from those events, we enter them into a weighted formula, uh, each of the five events uh, that make up, uh, make up the scoring formula, uh, they have a specific weight, that gets totaled. Right, And that determines your order of merit score. And you're placed on an order of merit list. And we provide that order of merit list once, uh, once it's approved to HRC. And HRC, Human Resources Command, uses uh, that order of merit to develop the command slate using the same system that they've used for many years to slate uh, individuals to commands. Uh,
1: let's talk about the Army Commander's Evaluation Tool, or ASETs. Can you talk, uh, talk to us about this tool and how it is different from the old uh, MSAF 360 process?
3: Yeah, ASET is one of the tools we're using to get insights from uh, co- uh, peers and subordinates. So that's the Army Commander Evaluation Tool. And there are different versions that we're going to use of uh, peer and subordinate assessments for different populations as we expand out uh, the opportunities uh, in CAP 23. So the set is focused on command and the CSL-selected uh, primary general staff officers. We've developed two other tools uh, for CAP 23. Uh, one is the uh, uh, Army Leader Assessment Tool uh, that will be used for officers in uh, categories other than the Army Competitive Category. Um, and we've also developed the uh, Enlisted Leader Assessment Tool, that we're going to be using with the Sergeant's Major Assessment Program, or SMAP. All of these tools must receive a minimum number of peer and subordinate uh, feedback reports to generate valid reports for the interviewing panel uh, on the ACTI to consider, um, and we ensure that all of the identifying information uh, that may be on those reports is, uh, uh, is redacted and that the panel has no way of identifying the individual. Um, the minimum number of reports helps us uh, ensure that the peer and subordinate assessments cannot be weaponized against a single uh, against an individual and that no single report uh, can get taken out of context uh, when considering the whole person. So again, the peer and subordinate assessments are important to the entirety of the system, and uh, they have the ability to impact selection for important leadership decisions or, or leadership positions. Uh, A typical Army survey receives about a 12% uh, return rate, and uh, the ASET uh, to date has received about a 70% return rate. So that signals two things to us. Uh, One, that uh, peers and subordinates are are very interested in providing input into who gets uh, selected as a leader. Two, uh, it it signals that uh, the effort that we, as the Army Talent Management Task Force, put into this is worth um, is worth giving to the Army in terms of uh, assessment data for the candidates. We we do put a tremendous amount of human capital towards collecting. Uh, peer and subordinate assessment reports as we near the cap uh, execution so that we can ensure each candidate has a a fair chance uh, or a fair opportunity to be uh, selected for command.
1: Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Byerly, you wrote an interesting piece on your blog about the utility of the ASET for the individual. Can you discuss what you think the benefits
2: of this process are? Yeah, Dave. I think that, you know, when you look back on past processes, the, you know, the the officer evaluation report, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a couple things. Like one, it's a, it's a look at your, um, potential, right? Like it's perceived potential that you, that your senior rater has, um, two, like, th- like where you fall, whether like it's a most qualified or a qualified, uh, highly qualified, um, OER. I mean, that may not necessarily depend on your potential, right? Like that could depend on what's in the senior raters profile. Um, and so a lot of times we take that, you know, uh, in the military, in the past, anyways, we, we've taken that as gospel to like, that's who we are in and, and reality. Um, and, and this is what I love about the, the cap process. It's a 360 degree view. So you're getting feedback, uh, from the people who worked under you, who saw you on a daily basis, as well as the people you worked with your peers who, who also saw you on a, on a daily basis. And so I, I think that's important. Um, you know, and, and because Dave, like we, we talked about books, man, and I'm just going to keep throwing some out, you know, like um, it, we have blind spots, so like, like we know that. And it's not like new science or new psychology. You know, Aesop, uh, he wrote his fables, in, you know, around 600 B.C., so, so 2,600 years ago. And he, and he wrote one in particular called Two Bags. And he said that every man, according to an ancient legend, is born into the world with two bags suspended from his neck. All bags in the front of them are filled with his neighbor's faults and a large bag behind them is filled with his own faults. Hence, it's that men are quick to see the faults of others and yet are often blind to their own failings. And so that's what I love about this process is that this gives us a chance to see the bag on the back of our bag to to see where we're falling short, where we weren't necessarily getting that um, in, in the previous officer evaluation process.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. It's also just a good place to you know see all your peers, discuss with them the same kind of uh, similar experiences, uh, and meet new no fo- meet new folks. I know you and I had lunch a couple times when we were out there, but it's it's very very good getting uh, feedback from your peers, not only through the ASAP process, but also when you see your uh, see them out there at CAP.
2: Uh, yeah, and in, in re- returning to something too, Dave, that, that Colonel O'Brien said. You know, he, he talked about the feedback. And you had a converse You both had a conversation uh, about the quality of the feedback. And one of the one of the th- uh, privileges I've had in the last several years is that I've been able to serve in the special operations community, where assessments and selections are kind of they're, they're internalized and they're a part of the culture. And so you know they've been doing this stuff for a while now, and, and the same feedback. I got through the commander assessment program was the same feedback I got in this community. So, so it's, the quality is high and the feedback was spot on.
1: No, that's, uh, that's really interesting. And it it kind of shows, you know, we're using the same kind of tools that a lot of the special operations forces uh, around our military are using as well. Um, Back to Colonel O'Brien, you know, not all field grade positions are the same. And and based off what position you're in, you might be in a spot where it's not easy to avoid, to avoid uh, difficult conversations, uh, especially during combat operations. So does the CAP team take this into account when reviewing some of the feedback you get from ASET? You know, for example, a brigade operations officer may have more candid feedback from the ASET uh, than an individual that was a uh, uh, general's aide uh, for a couple of years. So does, does it take into account what position you're in?
3: So it doesn't necessarily take into account what position you're in. What really happens is that the the voting panel members on the ACTI, they're leaders too, and they understand that uh, people need to make hard decisions sometimes, and that some of those hard decisions are uh, are not going to be popular. Um, so it, they they understand that. What what the ACTI really does is it allows. A dialogue between somebody that's casting a vote about you and uh, what has come out in, in these assessments as, as your talents uh, and some of the behaviors that may get recorded and, and allows you as an individual to contextualize those behaviors. Um, so it's not uncommon for candidates to have a uh some negative input from their peers or subordinates and most candidates actually have uh some type of a heartbeat pattern um they're they're not most most people don't have straight uh you know high marks or you know praise from their candidates most candidates don't have straight negative uh, feedback. You know, it's kind of a heartbeat program. You'd
1: be, you'd be able to tell if somebody is being vindictive against somebody or something. Yeah,
3: it's it's absolutely apparent um, if the, if there is somebody who has a real beef or a vendetta against somebody, and they're trying to weaponize the uh, the peer and or subordinate feedback. Um, I mean, I, I've participated in CAP from the cadre perspective in just about every type of um, role that we can have. You know, I've served on the strategic leader as a moderator for the strategic leader uh, exercise. I've been a voting panel member. I've been a panel moderator. Um, and so I've, I've seen it from many different perspectives. It is very obvious when somebody is trying to, uh, to hold a grudge against a leader that's uh, in the midst of, uh, of an assessment and the, the voting panel understands that they understand that people have to make these hard choices and they can ask specific questions to get at you know what might be causing that now the questions will not be uh, phrased or structured in a way uh, that I I'd identify to the the panel or the candidate that's interviewing, how the panel got that particular information. You know, the panel moderator uh, has the job of making sure that uh, the the uh, questions get asked in a behaviorally-based way um, and that we're not using uh, information that can uh, be attributable to any individual. But it allows the panel to get at what might be causing uh, some uh, some negative indicator. Um, and then the, the candidate, uh, unlike our legacy system, the candidate now has an opportunity to defend uh, that particular action or explain it or contextualize it um, so that the panel can understand before they cast a vote.
1: So you're a candidate. You you walk out of the uh, comprehensive talent interview, and then you go into your out brief, where you're going to receive this uh, feedback uh, from your peers' board, and it's briefed to you by the operational psychologist. Uh, so for L- Lieutenant Colonel Byerly, I'm not going to ask you specifically about what your feedback was. But as a student of leadership uh, and a future battalion commander, you know what advice would you give future candidates going into
2: this meeting? So I would say going into that meeting where, where you're getting that feedback is be open to the process, right? Like realize that, that this is a complete assessment, and you're going to hear things that that you may not have heard before, right? Be like like you may not have heard that you need to work on these areas because that wasn't what was in your. Uh, evaluation report that said you were number one or number two, um, and so some of the stuff might come to a shock with uh, to you. So I, again, I, I say be open. And I like one of the the biggest things I think that you know I, I've learned through through that entire process, Dave, is that um, it, like the reflection, the preparation for uh, the commander's assessment program needs to begin well before a candidate sets foot on Fort Knox, a- and I would argue that you know the the earlier you are in your career that you can start taking time to reflect taking time to to figure out how to build self-awareness with yourself um it, you're going to be better off and even if you're like okay well I'm a major I'm going to the commander assessment program next year i would say that like start now start thinking through that
1: hey that's that's really great joe and i think it you know just kind of highlights the point is that this is an opportunity that's well resourced Uh, by Army leadership, backed by the Chief of Staff of the Army for you to get honest uh, feedback and and build yourself as a leader. You do the talent interview. uh, You get your operational psychologist uh, feedback. And so what's next? So how do leaders improve from there, uh, which leads us into the Army coaching program. Uh, Ma'am, I know you've been patiently waiting to jump into the conversation. Uh, So something I was curious about was that you have a reason uh, for the cas- CAP assessments piece, you know, we're trying to find who those leaders are. But how did someone convince the Army that we needed to hire executive coaches uh, to improve the organization?
0: So, going back to BCAP 21, we had a pilot ongoing at CGSOC for executive coaching. We were getting tremendous positive feedback from that pilot that was ongoing, that was simultaneous to the CAP process almost instantly. And what was occurring was we need more feedback. You know, we're seeing this coming out of BCAP 21. So if we need more feedback, we have this process that it exists. It's going very well at CGSOC. So
1: this started as a CGSC pilot and it was so successful. We said, let's bring this over and include it as part of the CAP process.
0: Exactly. So that's exactly what we were looking at. So this allows you to take what Joe Byerly was just saying, because it's not just a reflection process, right? So you, you have a reflection process, and hopefully most do, but the question then becomes, just like the Chief of Staff of the Army asks us, so what do you do with it? Yeah. And coaching is very key on what do you want to do with it, because it's looking forward, making those goals, and being able to bring that to articulate to actions.
1: Roger that. And, You know, one of the things a a friend of mine discussed with me the other day, he was was kind of uh, surprised to learn that his executive coach coming out of the cap program is the same executive coach that was provided to a three-star general. And I thought that was really interesting is that the Army is investing resources into cap candidates that they also invest uh, into some of our Army senior leaders here. So can, can you tell us about the quality of the coaches that are involved?
0: Absolutely. So all the coaches are in fact trained to the industry credentialing standard for professional coaching. Uh, Additionally, the coaches come from wide diverse backgrounds, very wide diverse backgrounds. So in order to make sure that we have requested to have kind of that breadth and depth of knowledge out there, they can range from anywhere from retired general officers in the army to business leaders and or SESs. All have forms of government experience. For example, it might be CIA. It may be military experience but almost all have some form of government experience in addition to their military experience. So there's a wide breadth out there, very professional lot.
1: That's great. And, and what are the uh, what are the candidates offered when they leave cap?
0: Okay, so going back, uh, I'll tie a little bit back into Colonel O'Brien's when they're getting the outbrief, For example, at CAP, one of the first things that we will offer for going into the coaching process is a developmental form, so a goal orientation form. And every candidate that elects to partake in the coaching, they can fill out that goal orientation form. So they can put down anything that they've uncovered from the reflective process at CAP so they can bring in whatever they've received from that half an hour so that's one of the first things that we do offer addition to that we do offer award-winning EQI 2.0 assessment that can be brought into the coaching also and that EQI measures several factors of emotional intelligence so some of those soft skills that could be very critical because what got you here may not get you there right so you you want to try to, if you can, bring that into coaching. So the the candidates are offered two particular options. They can bring everything into through a EQI 2.0 or in five sessions after that, 5.5 sessions, or they can just come straight in with their goal orientation sheet. They know exactly where they want to start, and they can bypass the EQI 2.0. About 98% of all candidates that elect coaching do partake in the EQI 2.0. So it it is a very popular option. Know more about yourself. The better you know yourself, the better you can action and have those core orientation uh, for the future. Yeah,
1: that's great. Uh, Let me let me just go back to uh, a question real quick. You, You talked about they come from a the coaches come from a wide range of areas. Uh, how many of these coaches, uh, you know, percentage-wise, uh, have military backgrounds? Or are there some that don't have any military background? They're just executive leaders with a lot of experience. Can you can you describe any of that? Or?
0: So we have we have prioritized military background in particular. The next is government. So there is some from the whole of government. Yes. So they could be from different areas within the government. Like I said, for example, CIA. Right. That's, re-
1: that's really interesting.
0: So we have leaders. They are all one. They are leaders within somewhere within our federal government. But in particular, they could have been very specific leaders like a general officer that has retired from the army. So, yes, there's a lot of a lot of breadth and depth of leadership skills and executive skills out there that they bring in.
1: Awesome. Um, last question about coaching. And this is one that uh, I've been asked. Um, I don't know the answer, but ma'am, I know you uh, you know this, the answer to this question because you get asked a lot. Can you describe the, the difference between a coach, a mentor, and a psychologist? Like, you know, what is an executive coach?
0: Okay. So I don't want to give you, like, definitions and stuff, but I want to give you an example. So let's go back to Joe's example. So Joe Barley gave the example of the leader coming in from – you know, they're taking command. They just finish command. So let's say they come to you, potentially, and they say, I want to instill a very strong leadership development program in my next command. Very common type thing that any leader could do. So they come to you. You can respond as a mentor, and you say, well, when I was in command, I did this, and this is how I did it, right? That's mm-hmm. a very common approach for a mentor. You go into the counseling type of approach, right? That counseling type of approach immediately could be, well, they might ask a how or what type of coaching type open question, but they try to possibly provide an answer. So you might provide the answer of, well, you should do this. I think you should provide this. But a coach, the coach is going to ask all of those open-ended questions to figure out intrinsically what you want to do as the leader. So therefore, you come up with your answer.
1: Right, so as I understand, a coach is basically like your um, utility to uh, better yourself uh, and ask kind of more candid questions, whereas a mentor or a, um, a psychologist is going to get a little more uh, in-depth with your personality, but a coach is there for you to use on your own time for your own personal self-development.
0: So keying in on that psychologist, so a psychologist has the ability to go back in time right and then they're looking particularly back and possibly bringing forth that could be bringing forth a diagnosis of something right they have that capability a coach is not there to do that the coach is there to look forward to make you look forward also get you looking forward towards where you want to go
2: one thing uh, too about about the difference between coaching and mentors is that a lot of times mentors will basically project onto you, uh, you know, th- their career path. And one of the things that I love about coaching and the Army coaching program is that's not what happens. Um, and the other thing that I've had you know, some of my peers get frustrated with, they're like, well, you know, like they're used to being mentored, right? By by you know people that that are um, or more senior to them in the military. And a lot of times mentors will kind of guide you on the path to go, like m- maybe not guide, but more like direct, say, hey, you should do these things. And and what I love about coaching is it's it's a series of questions, right? Like like it, it makes you provide the answers. And so I, I think that's a great distinction to make is that a mentor is going to kind of direct what you should do. Um, a coach is going to kind of just, Pose questions to you and have you think through what you want to do but they're not going to mirror image their career on yours
0: so can i tie back to your point joe so just going along that line in particular because it is part of that in-depth requirement after the reflection right it assists you through that reflection getting you to look forward your goal orientation your plan right this is individualized we have to remember Talent management, it's a wholesale change right now. Absolutely. Right, 10 times change. And so when you're a mentor, because I've had brigade commanders come up to me, how can I mentor right now? You have all these other things popping up, you know, that they did not have as choices in their career. So now this is where this is very distinctly can be utilized that coaching process, because now it's for you to uncover your way forward.
1: You bring up a great point, for and I know Colonel O'Brien mentioned this earlier, talking about how you, uh, we tell people they're not yet ready for command. It is is a great tool for commanders to say, "Hey, you have an opportunity for executive coaching. Uh, this is this is something you need to take advantage of uh, to better yourself and better prepare for the next go around of CAP." Final question is to Lieutenant Colonel Barley: How has CAP changed you as a leader?
2: I think I think the biggest thing, like I I just have to say this is like I've been very fortunate throughout my career to work for people and to be mentored by people who encouraged um, a lot of reflection and um, encouraged me to be self-aware. So um, I'll say and and because of my experience in in previous uh, assignments in special operations community, um, like the, the stuff in CAP isn't new to me. Um, but I will say that what it, I, I walked away from it is that it, as a leader, as a battalion commander, this is something that I want to prioritize in starting at the, the lieutenant level. And that is, is developing leaders who focus on gaining self-awareness, who practice reflection, and practice those skills. They're going to be very important for, for being successful in cap, successful as a leader and just successful in life. And that's having empathy, having self awareness, being able to communicate, not just orally, but also uh, in written communication too, and just being a, just striving to be a more self aware leader. And so that, that, that's just for me, like, It just kind of puts the point on it. You know, the the cap process is these are the types of leaders that, that, that we need to develop to where folks aren't completely caught off guard when they hit the 17 year mark and start seeing this stuff for the very first time.
1: On that note, I think we'll wrap things up to our guests. Thanks for being on the show and to our audience. Thank you for joining me today. Our next episode will feature a discussion about enlisted talent management. Thanks for joining us today. Talent wins and winning matters.
0: The Army Talent Management Task Force would like to thank our listeners for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information on Army Talent Management initiatives, or if you have an idea for a future podcast, please visit our website at talent.army.mil. Don't forget to share with your colleagues.